Hello, and welcome to another installment of the 2024 Total Solar Eclipse Podcast. I'm Michael Bakich. If you're a supporter of this podcast, thank you. If not, head to patreon.com and let your kindness help me to keep spreading the word about the upcoming event. I've titled today's podcast, Picking the Right Binoculars for the Eclipse, Part 2. In this episode, I'll continue with my version of a buyer's guide. But first, here's my standard warning. Do not view the uneclipsed sun or any of the solar eclipse's partial phases through unfiltered binoculars. Only totality, when the moon completely covers the sun's disk, is safe to view with your unprotected eyes or through binoculars. Some manufacturers make approved solar filters that fit over the front lenses of your binoculars. With those in place, you can view the sun at any time. Also, do not use unfiltered binoculars with solar viewing glasses. The glasses weren't designed to filter as much light as the binoculars gather. Okay, now to the podcast. Through the years, I've advised many amateur astronomers to conduct a short quality test before their purchase. First, pick up the binoculars and shake them gently. Then, twist them gently. Then, move the focusing mechanisms several times. Then, move the barrels together, then apart. What you're doing is assessing the quality of workmanship. If you hear loose parts, or if there's any play when you twist or move the binoculars, don't buy them. Another thing to consider at this point is the weight of the binoculars. If you're going to be hand-holding them, try to imagine what they'll feel like at the end of a long observing session. Look into the front of the binoculars and check for dirt or other contaminants. Ignore whatever small amount of dust is on the outside of the lenses. The inside of the binoculars, however, should be immaculate. If not, don't buy them. Hold the binoculars in front of you with the eyepieces toward you. Point them at a bright area. You'll see the exit pupils, discs of light formed by the eyepieces. They should be round. If they aren't, the optical alignment of the binoculars is bad and the prisms are not imaging all the light. Don't buy them. Of course, you have to look through the binoculars. Try to do this outdoors and at night. Nothing will reveal flaws in the design of binoculars more than star images. If it's impossible to test them at night or even outdoors, look through a door or window at distant objects. How well do the binoculars focus? Are objects clear? If there's any sign of a double image, the two barrels are not aligned. Don't buy them. If you wear glasses, and if you plan to observe with them on, can you get your eyes close enough to the binoculars to see the entire field of view? Aim the binoculars at a straight line, like a phone wire or the horizon. Does the line look distorted? A tiny amount of distortion near the edges of the field of view is not a big problem. But if you see a lot, don't buy them. Repeat the above tests with several different binoculars. Once you become more familiar with how they compare, you'll be well on your way to buying an excellent unit. One factor you may encounter is field curvature. This optical flaw is present in all binoculars to some extent. Field curvature results from the lens forming a sharp image on a curved surface. 
when the eyepieces are set to meet the part of the image that's in focus, say at the center, you have to change the focus to make the edges of the image sharp. The quality of the binoculars is directly proportional to the extent that it minimizes this problem. An excellent instrument shows field curvature only at the edge of the field of view. When the entire field is in focus, manufacturers call it a flat field. If you use a binocular that has a flat field, you won't soon forget it. Such units are expensive, however, because they require top-notch optics. In last week's podcast, I described what happens to an image when binoculars apply too high a magnification. They over-magnify the motion of your hands, creating less than desirable views. But what if someone could find a solution to this problem? After all, much of the allure of the night sky, and totality, to amateur astronomers comes by studying it under ever-increasing magnification. To enjoy both a wide field of view, the kind binoculars provide, and moderately high magnification in handheld binoculars is to have the best of both worlds. Manufacturers have achieved this by creating image-stabilized binoculars. These units use different methods to stabilize the image. Some have batteries that power a gyroscope. Others use a non-powered design which relies on a gimbal prism. In all designs, you push a button to engage the stabilization. The results are dramatic. For example, I've never been able to hand-hold binoculars steady enough to obtain good, long looks at Jupiter's largest moons until I used image-stabilized binoculars. The optics and mechanics of image-stabilized binoculars vary in the same way as the optics of regular binoculars, so you should apply the same tests I mentioned above if you're considering buying a unit. And remember, technology like this isn't free or cheap. Image-stabilized binoculars large enough to interest amateur astronomers cost between $1,000 and $2,000. One other type of binoculars I want to mention are what manufacturers call giant binoculars. These have front lenses that are 4 inches across or larger. As with smaller models, magnification varies. Some giant binoculars let you change the eyepieces to increase or decrease the magnification. Oh, and here's an important consideration. No giant binoculars can be handheld. They're simply too heavy to hold. Maintaining binoculars is fairly easy. Most come with lens caps, eyepiece caps, and a case. Use them. These will help protect your binoculars from dust and moisture. Don't leave your binoculars exposed to direct sunlight, even if they're in their case. Most binoculars and their cases are black and will absorb a lot of heat. Heat will cause the carefully placed elements of binoculars to expand and later contract. Not a good scenario. Cleaning is only sensitive when it involves the lenses. If your lenses become dusty, blow them off with compressed air or brush them with an approved optics brush. You can find both of these at any camera store. If you must wipe the lenses, use only lens paper and change it frequently rather than using the same piece to wipe back and forth. The body of your binoculars also will get dirty. When it does, just wipe it with a damp cloth. 
And because binoculars are aligned optical equipment, keep the vibrations, especially impacts, to a minimum. Lastly, let me mention binocular mounts. Image-stabilized binoculars are a tremendous advance for amateur astronomy, but for the steadiest images possible, nothing beats mounting your binoculars to a tripod or custom binocular mount. Smaller, well-mounted binoculars with less magnification will, after only a few minutes of use, beat larger, higher magnification handheld binoculars every time. The simplest binocular mount is a metal L-bracket. Attach it to the quarter 20 mounting hole on the binocular's center post. The other end of the L attaches to a camera tripod. This setup is generally adequate if the objects you're observing aren't too high in the sky. For objects near the zenith, the overhead point, tripod-mounted binoculars are uncomfortable and in some cases impossible to use. Another option is to buy or build a custom-made binocular mount. Plans for binocular mounts are readily available online. If you're mechanically inclined, you can build your own. Most amateur astronomers buy commercially made mounts. Such units employ a design based on a movable parallelogram. This arrangement keeps the binoculars pointed in an object over a wide range of motion, letting people of varying heights use them. This setup is perfect for observing sessions, star parties, or eclipses where both adults and children will be viewing the same objects. When you select a binocular mount, pick one that's sturdier than you need. That way, you can upgrade your binoculars to a larger model in the future. A binocular mount is rugged if, a few seconds after you've found an object, the image settles down and shows no vibration unless a strong wind is blowing. If the image isn't stable, your binocular mount may be at fault, or the fault could lie with the second piece of equipment you'll need. That other necessity for high-power binocular observing is the tripod the mount attaches to. Most camera tripods are inadequate for this. They're simply not robust enough to handle the weight of the binoculars plus the weight of the mount. And balance also could be a problem. But a tripod can fail in more ways than by being flimsy. It may be that your sturdy tripod, even at full extension, isn't high enough to let you stand under your binoculars and view objects overhead. If you own a tripod, by all means, try it. You'll know right away if it's up to the task. Please help me to keep spreading the word about the eclipse by supporting this podcast. And if you like this one, please give it a like. It's easy and free, and it will energize me to continue. If you're a fan of the printed word, head to myscienceshop.com and order a copy of Your Guide to the 2024 Total Solar Eclipse. You'll have most of the info I've chatted about in these podcasts at your fingertips, plus some nicely detailed maps of the path by Eclipse mapmaker Michael Zeiler. I'm Michael Bakich. Thanks for listening.